Microphone working this morning? Do I got it turned on? I think it sounds, I can hear it. Just got to test the microphone, right? Because I've had issues with turning it on before. Uh, you can see up on the screen up there, Matthew chapter 9 is a good place to put your finger. And First Peter uh, will be another good place, chapter 1, I think, as we get there. Uh, I just warn you ahead of time, this is one of those messages that put me to the test. I expected it to because of what it's about, but I didn't realize to what degree, okay? Because when you're putting a message together and you're searching over different things and you're praying about stuff and you're seeking the Lord for the, for the message, it doesn't matter who you are. You got to go, you got to go on a journey with the Lord about it. And you don't get to just write sermons and just exclude your personal life and exclude yourself and act like none of it applies, right? So it's, it's been good. It's been a little bit of a battle from all throughout the week as I've thought about some of this stuff. And then as I try to organize it in some kind of fashion, some kind of a order, it still was challenging, but by the time we're done, I hope we're praising the Lord about it all, and I expect it, I expect it to be as challenging for y'all as it is for anybody else um, as we get through this. Let me ask you this question. If you knew, if you knew that every Sunday morning after the preaching's over that you were going to get a test How would you react? What would you do? <laughs> I hope not because it's not my goal to pass or fail anybody. It's my goal to help everybody succeed in what we're here for. Worshiping the Lord, honoring God, growing spiritually, serving the Lord, making disciples, all of those things, right? When, when I was... Uh, working with the fire department before we moved over here there is i don't know if y'all know this but when you're in the fire department or emts and ems and paramedics and all that even law enforcement for that matter you are never not learning something you're always in class you're always going to some training you're all and that's not including the calls that you go when something's on fire or somebody's health is in it doesn't matter you're always training you're always growing you're always learning something what i realized when i first got into that uh, not only as the chaplain but as a firefighter and uh, eventually emt for a short time uh they kind of expect you to know stuff when it all goes uh off the rails in the community right the people that are in trouble the people that need the firefighters and emt and all the rest First responders, they need you to know stuff. They don't want you to just show up and fake it till you make it kind of thing. So they're constantly being tested. What was cool about it, what was amazing about it, is every time we ha actually had a test in any class or any kind of training, they would, uh, you would stay there until you passed the test. They're not going to let you fail the test because they know somebody's life is dependent on what you know. And they know that you need to get whatever it is they're teaching. Or you may die, or you may cause somebody else to die, or you may miss out on saving somebody you could have saved if you would have just learned whatever it is they're teaching. Doesn't matter what it was. And at first, when I, at first I thought, man, they're just giving me the answers so I can just pass the class and sign my name and go on and get my credits. But that's not what they were doing. They would go over it and over it and over it until the answer was obvious so that I would have the answer because they want me to pass the test because they know when I leave that class or whatever that training was that I'm, I got it and that maybe when emergencies happen we all show up and we all got it and then we're reacting to what we know because we've passed the test in a lot of different ways you, you understand what I'm pointing at 
So as believers, as disciple makers, right, it's kind of, sort of, kind of the same idea. Because we're not just telling people about Jesus, y'all. I mean, that's the big idea, but it's not just that. It's not simple. It's not like we're handing out candy canes because they taste good. We're telling people about Jesus because their soul is in danger. Their life, their eternal life is in jeopardy, y'all. We're, we're going into the world and we're getting people, we're supposed to be helping people who are trapped in their sin to know that they don't have to be. That Jesus has claimed victory and that you can be set free from this prison that you live in called sin. That's where we all were, and that's where we all escaped from. Thank God, because somebody passed the test and knew what to do when they witnessed to us and told us about Jesus, you see. So today we're going to talk about God is always testing our faith, you know. And, and you know, usually when we talk about God is testing you or God is testing me or God is testing us, a lot of people sit back and they say, why would God test anybody? Doesn't he, don't he trust us? No, he doesn't trust you. He has no reason to trust you. You have given him zero reasons to trust you. But it's not why he's testing you. It's not why he's testing me. It's not why he's testing the church. He's always testing. Because last week, remember, remember last week, because I know you're taking notes because you might get tested. Not by me, but God might test you. Remember, we, we saw Jesus encountered uh, a fella who was asking for a miracle, and he's like, if you can do this, Jesus, and Jesus like, if I can do it. And he finally convinced the guy what the problem was, and he was like, okay, I believe. I do, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help what I can't believe. Help what I can't get my heart around and my mind around. Remember that last week. And we learned, hopefully we learned, hopefully we passed the test and learned that we all have unbelief in our life that we need to ask God for help with. Everywhere we look, when we look at the life of Jesus, he's constantly talking to people about their faith. He's constantly pointing out what they believe and what they don't believe, what they should believe and what they need to believe. He's pointing out when, they're, when, when, uh, when, when they should be better off than what they were. How many times do we read Jesus saying, how long do I got to stay here with you people? And it's not because he's frustrated with them. I think Jesus said things like that because he's ready to go to the cross and solve the problem, y'all. But he can't get there until he knows you're going to pass the test. These disciples of his. These, who became apostles, who, be, who became the, the people who God used to start the church, right? They had to be prepared to be able to pass the test. And he had to walk with them and teach them until he knew that they could pass the test. So he's like, how long I got to keep showing this to y'all? I'm ready to go and get the problem solved, but I got to stay here until y'all are ready so you can pass the test. You see? So here's, here's in chapter 9 of Matthew, as we get over here to Matthew, we're going to talk about why is God, how is God always testing our faith, not just, you know, I think sometimes we think God sometimes tests us in our life. Bad things happen or challenging things happen, he's like, oh, God must be testing me. Probably so. I believe that God is always, always testing us. Not just testing us to see if we love him or to see if we're, uh, genuine in our faith sometimes that's the case but it's really he's testing our faith in him our trust in him not not a pass or fail y'all it's a refining type testing it's a building type testing it's like a master the master creator is picking up his creation and just examining it to test where it is and what's going on? What needs to be done le next? Let me shave a little bit off of this side. Let me, let me put a little bit more over here. And just keep on making it holy. Getting rid of the things that are not pure. That's the testing that we're talking about. God is constantly testing our faith so that we can be stronger in our faith, y'all. How many of y'all believe that God, Jesus didn't go to the cross so that we could be weak, defeated Christian people? Hello? 
He doesn't want us to be uh, saved cowards. He doesn't want us to be people who are saved uh, victims. You can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. Hello? You can't do it. And if we believe what we believe about our Savior, about our Father, and about the Spirit of God that works in us and the power that comes from the kingdom of God and all that has saved us, what on earth, what on earth would cause us to be defeated people? Hello? And it's doubt, isn't it? It's, it's, it's sometimes, remember last week he said, uh, you, you, when, when we went back to Matthew's account of that, he told the disciples, they came in and was like, uh, how come we couldn't cast out those demons and you could? And, he's, and he told them the same thing he told the father of the, uh, the little girl. He said, it's because your faith is weak is why you couldn't do it. Now, I know everybody's got their, everybody's like, all right, bring it. I believe. I got faith. That's what we do. We start feeling attacked when the tests are coming. And we're not, God's not attacking us. He's just saying, hey, you got to look at this. Because God does not want us to fake it till we make it when it comes to making disciples. He wants us to know what we're doing. He wants us to know the Spirit of God. He wants us to know the Word of God so that when we're out there in the field bringing in the harvest, we can hear Him clearly and we can see Him clearly and we can feel Him clearly and He can have His way so that people will know Him genuinely. Every person in here and every person who's a believer around the world has everything they need to do just that, the way God sent us to do it. So here it is in chapter 9, of verse Ma- uh, Matthew chapter 9. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read just a cu- one verse specifically, but I want to read around it because in the, in, in from verse 18, all right, uh, but let's go from verse 18. Jesus, is, uh, he, he was questioned about fasting, and then he goes into this moment of healing some people. Right? He's just doing his ministry. He's walking around teaching the guys and, and the other people that are around. And there's this time where just people are just coming one after the other, looking for miracles, looking for Jesus to do something for them. Right? Naturally, they would. There was first in verse 18, this official came to him and bowed down and said, Hey, my daughter just died. She's dead. Like, not living, y'all. So he comes to Jesus. He said, come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. That's different than last week, wasn't it? Remember last week, the girl wasn't, wasn't the child wasn't dead, but he said, if you can help. No, it was the boy, the boy, he, if you can help, right? He keeps on getting these demons, throwing them around. He said, if you could help, and, Jesus, and his faith needed some help. His faith was weak. But here, this guy says, hey, if you just do this, she'll live. I believe it. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That's what Jesus is looking after when he's looking at us, when he's testing us. Then right after that, in verse 20, as Jesus gets up to go with this uh, uh, person, that's when the woman who'd been suffering from some hemorrhage comes along. And she's just like, if I just get near him and just barely, if I just touch a thread of his clothing, I'll be all right. My my problems, that's faith. That's the faith right there, y'all. She didn't even say anything to him, and, and her faith healed her through Jesus and the power that comes with who he is. And then it goes on down. You know the whole the, how that goes. And, and so Jesus, uh, 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 he, 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 verse 22 says, But Jesus, turning to see her, daughter, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. That's the lady that, w- that that's wanted to touch uh, his garment. And then in verse 24, he said, Leave, for the girl has not died, but just asleep. That's after he shows up, and all these people are playing the flute. It says they're flute players. They're having a funeral for this girl. That's what they're doing. She's dead. I mean, it's natural. There's nothing wrong with it. But he comes in and he's like, hey, this girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And they start laughing at him. You want to talk about ye of little faith, right? If we want to condemn somebody in the King James, we say ye of little faith. They start laughing at him. And so here it is in verse 27. And Jesus went on from there to to, uh, two blind men followed him crying out have mercy on us right well, by the way he, he went over and took their little girl's hand and she just stood up to prove to everybody around that she wasn't dead not really to prove that but to prove who he is right 
Then, here it is, here's where we're getting to. And Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Doesn't that sound familiar from the last time we were here last week reading about the other guy? You have to believe. If you can't believe that, God, that Jesus is going to do it or can do it, it's no good. And they said to him, this is their answer. There wasn't no discussion. They just said, yeah, yeah, yes, Lord. Sometimes it's that easy, y'all, isn't it? Sometimes we have board meetings with God that God never called. He never called the board meeting. He just wants to know if you trust him, right? He wants to know if you know who he is and that you're going to do what he says and all of that. Here it is right here in verse 29. I'll show it to you. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. I believe that many times we study the word of God, we study through the gospels, we study through the book of Matthew, and we see that, and it's like, okay, there's another time that Jesus did a miracle. Shows me that he is Jesus, shows me that he is Lord, shows me that he is the son of God, everything about him is true, and we move right on over to the next miracle, and we move right on over to the next teaching, and we try to glean, what does God want me to know, and we just totally miss what he just said. To me, to you. This is why I was wrestling with this, y'all. So much. If Jesus said this to you, what it would mean? What would it mean? You know about your life. You know about your relationship with the Lord. You know about your commitment to Christ, your repentance. You know about it all, don't you? God knows about it all. Jesus knows about it all. So if Jesus were to look you in the eye or me in the eye and say to either any of us, it shall be done according to your faith. Okay, what, what's it then for you? What's it for me? That's what I'm telling you. I was wrestling with this. It shall be done according to my faith. And then, boom, every prayer, every worry, every concern, every emotion that I've had for as long as I can remember just fell on the table. And God's like, okay, we're going to talk about uh, according to your faith in, in this situation, in that situation, in that situation, in all of these situations. If you're, if you're like me, and I suspect that you are, there's many times where we have trouble with this, don't we? We, we know we have faith. We know we believe. We know who Jesus is. We, we say amen to every part of this Bible, especially the parts we understand. And then parts we don't understand, we say amen because we know we're supposed to, right? So why is it so hard? Why is it sometimes where the people that we just read about briefly went through in, in, in the earlier parts of this chapter 9 where they're saying, yeah, we believe. No question, we believe, and then God answers their prayer. But sometimes we're living in last week, where we're like, Lord, if you can do this. And then, boom, he slams, slams it on the table. He's like, what? If? And, and this is something I'm telling y'all. If, if we could have help, the Lord could help us wrap our minds around this, our hearts, just be totally surrendered to this. It shall be done according to your faith. You know what that says to me? That says that all this disciple making, all this Christian living, all this relationship with Jesus, all this living on the planet as a human being, and what God does in my life and with my life or because of my life or even in spite of my life is all up to me. That one statement reminded me that God has done everything he's going to do and needs to do to be what I need him to be. And the question is, am I going to be what he wants me to be? Because he don't need me to be anything. He wants me to be for him. He wants me to be a disciple maker. He wants me to go into the world just like he sent his disciples on the planet. He sent them out and said, go do the things that I'm doing. Go cast out demons. Go preach the gospel. Go heal the sick. He wants us to do those things. He wants us to go out and do and be Jesus with skin on. 
And how many days have I, this is where we're sitting down looking at the mess on the table that we have to look at, of all the things throughout our life, how many, how many times where, am I having to say, help my unbelief? And how many times have I said, yeah, Lord, I believe in, in all those situations in life, right? And it's not something that I think the Lord put on me to condemn me or make me feel bad, like you're not doing a good job, uh, you're pitiful at this, and let me get somebody else, right? Relief pitcher, whatever. It's not that. I think he just stopped my heart and said, let's look close at this. Because it will be done according to your faith, y'all. And even in that, y'all, I know we're sitting back. I know it because I do it. We're sitting back and it's like, well, (laughs) I want to believe for a lot of things. I'm going to have faith that God can do a lot of things. And you know what gets us? We're like, we don't really know if it's God's will. And I'm with you. I'm, I preached that sermon not too long ago. The Lord, the Lord willing, right? I preached that sermon. It wasn't. It wasn't. That, it was like end of last year or some earlier this year. I said, "Lord willing," the whole title, the whole sermon. So I'm all about. Let's seek the Lord's will and let's live in that. But sometimes, sometimes because of, of our weakness, weak points in our faith, we use the Lord willing as an excuse to not just jump in in faith. Because we don't really know if it's God's will. But we do know. We all know. You want to know how? Because it's right here in the word of God. And I'm just talking in general understanding. It's God's will that we go into the world and make disciples. It's God's will that we love people. It's God's will that we love him. It's never wrong to love somebody. But it's challenging sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Amy, and I just hope it wasn't because of <laughs> kind of difficult to love preachers sometimes. But three things. I'm going to make these three points hopefully quickly, and then we'll shut it down for the day and let the Lord help, have his way. There's three, three big ways that God tests us always. There's more. There's, there's plenty more, but th- I want to talk about these three things because I think, I think these three things will, if we can understand or learn about these things and have God have his way with these things, it will help us in any other way God would ever test us. All right? God tests our faith through difficulties. How many of y'all know that? That's the most obvious one. Anybody who's, ha- who's lived life past uh, <coughs> the third grade, understands that life happens right I, I was trying to think how, how far back when when how young was i when i first started getting stressed out about life i think it was a third grade figured out we had homework and i was like I, i'm not interested and they want me to color in the lines and i can't do that you know i went in kindergarten twice did y'all know that two different times not because i failed look i know what you're i know where you're going it wasn't because i went to kindergarten right on the other side of knoxville because mom and dad moved there and then we moved again after that and then the age of kindergarten where we moved is different so i had to take kindergarten all over again so i just so i just i just breezed on through <laughs> believe it if you want to look look what it says here look what it says right here y'all first <coughs> peter one chapter six verse seven look let's read this together in this, in, in this you greatly rejoice, even though you, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, y'all, have been distressed by various trials, it says, so that the proof of your faith being more precious, listen to this, proof of your faith being more precious than gold, y'all, which is gold, which is perishable, the, the gold is perishable, even though tested by fire, gold is, may be found, look, to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That, that, right, that scripture right there is one of the reasons why I haven't changed our uh, closing song for Sunday mornings. We should leave here with that on our mind, glory to his name. 
going out to make disciples. Glory to his name in all things that we do. We'll change it eventually, but I, I just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make y'all wake up singing it. I'm trying to get y'all to go to bed singing it. I'm trying to get y'all to be making coffee singing it. I'm driving, driving down the road singing it. Having an argument with your spouse singing it. Whatever you're doing, I want you to sing glory to God, y'all. Why? Because that's evidence of your faith and the health of your faith and the growth of your faith. And it all comes from what? Various trials. I think one translation says all kinds of trials. It might be the NIV. How many of y'all have had all kinds of trials? Right? Feel like you have anyway. How many of y'all only had just one kind of trial your whole life? I would raise my hand for that. I'd be the one, I'd be like, yeah, I've only had one kind of trial. That's me. I'm self is my biggest trial. I am the cope. I'm the one. I'm the doer of the deed right there. <clears throat> trials are trials. And you know what? Here's, here's something you need to know. Nothing happens in the life of a believer or, or a non-believer for that matter. Nothing happens that's not allowed by God, y'all. Nothing gets past God and happens to you without him knowing it and approving it or allowing it, whatever way you want to look at it. And I know there's going to be people, there's going to be somebody hearing that saying, see, see, you're trying to preach this mean God all the time. God loves everybody, so you can't say it that way. I'm not saying that. The word of God is saying that, y'all. And let me say something to y'all. If you know Jesus, if you know the Lord, if, you, if you're intimate with his word and his spirit in your life, then you don't take that as an insult or as a hate thing you actually realize how much God really does love you. How, how much must he love me to get dirty in my life just to help me get out of the mess that I made? He's faithful. And he doesn't force himself, so he'll use these trials, tribulations, and hardships to get our attention. And say, look, I'm here. I see you. I know what's going on. I'm here. I'm here. Whatever it is, I don't care how dark it gets. God is involved in that. He will never not be involved. And, I, and I'm with y'all. There's, there's some dark places and you just, you just cannot see or feel God. That's how, that's how small we are when it comes to the problems of the world. All right. I mean, you just have to trust God in those moments. You just have to know that he's there in the darkness. And some of those, look, some of those were just things that happened uh, to me or to my family or, or in the world. But then others were things that I created, consequences of my sinful behavior. That, you know, you know God, just because God forgives us don't mean he just gets rid of all the consequences all the time. If you think about it. I'm still suffering consequences from things I did when I was a kid. Not because God hasn't forgiven me, but because <laughs> they left scars in my life. And God uses those things to test me, to make me stronger, to make me know him, to increase my faith. Because once you come out of that darkness, once you come out of those trials and those distressed and uh, those distressed at various trials, you can see God even more clearly. And you have all the more reason to praise his name because you saw that he was faithful. God, God doesn't cause bad things to happen to you, but he will allow and use some of those things. There's no accidents. Nothing is out of God's control. Look, uh, James chapter 1, I don't have it on a board. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, y'all. Okay, that's easy. But it says, when you uh, face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I told y'all before about the one time I ran a 5K. I, I think I ran like a half a K and walked the rest of it. <laughs> but I finished it, y'all, and it was hard. I don't remember if some of y'all weren't here, but I, I think I told y'all, one of my preacher buddies who runs all the time, he met me like, a, like, I don't know, it was like a half a mile from the end. From the, from the, he was way done. He had been done, took a shower, and he's come back to catch me up. And he's running alongside of me. He's like, run, run as hard as you can. I said, I am running. <laughs> I'm running as hard as I can. But he wouldn't let me, forget, he wouldn't let me quit, y'all. 
and it was a test to see if I could physically do something that I'd never done before. And it was also a test to see if I wanted to keep doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> Answer is no, I don't. <laughs> How is it? I mean, I'm going to move on from this point because I got two more to make and then we'll be done. I know I'm testing your patience today, but when I hear James tell us to consider it pure joy when you experience trials, that's it's hard. It, it's easy to say amen when we're sitting here in church on Sunday and we have good fellowship going and the coffee's good and the word is good and we've got nice TV screens, you can see everything nice, and we praise the Lord, and all the people that are here, and people online, we just praise the Lord for stuff like that, we sing the songs, but when you're at home all by yourself, and the problems haven't gone away, or the trials are still there, some trials don't ever go away, do they? How do we have joy in that? How do, how do we, how do we, Consider it pure joy. I'm not talking about just a little bit of joy. I'm talking about pure joy. How do we do that? We, we do it because our faith is continually being strengthened. And in those times, it takes faith to sit in that hard place and just say, you know what? I don't feel it. I can't see it. I just know it. I just know that God. joy because God is faithful y'all he will never quit you in your hardest times number two way that God will test us on a regular basis y'all don't want like this one either oh I went back this too far yeah I'll just leave it right there because that's all I'm going to get God tests us through his commands. I know it. I know y'all believe it. I know y'all already knew that because y'all are like, here we go. I was that way. How many times has the Bible told us to do or say something or not do or not say something or be a certain thing and we know better but we can't do? If you think you're better than Paul was, you're already off, you're already off base. Because Paul's like, hey, I can't even do what I want to do, and I can't, can't stop doing what I shouldn't do. Well, how do I make myself do what I know to do and stop doing what I... You, you understand that. We all understand that because we live it. There's, there's 1,050 commands for believers to obey in the New Testament. I dare you to look them up. I'll test you next week. <laughs> did, you under, did you all know that many commands in the New Testament? Everybody talks about the Ten Commandments all the time. 1,050, y'all. And we keep struggling with the same ones every time. Why do we struggle with these things? Why do we struggle with doing what God says to do? Not ask us to do. He tells us to do in his word. Why do we struggle with that? We love Jesus. We love God. We want salvation. We're saved by the blood of Christ. He's forgiven our sins. We have every chance to grow in Christ and become uh, amazing Christians for the glory of God. Why do we struggle with this? Why? Because some of these uh, <coughs> commands seem impossible, don't they? They just seem like they're impossible. You know, like love your enemy. Or, or, or some of them seem, seem really unreasonable. They don't sound right to talk about God like that, but it's, that's how we, that's what goes through our mind. That doesn't seem right, God. How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven? What, that many times? Really? I mean, seven is a lot to forgive somebody, especially for the same thing over and over. And Jesus says, just keep right on forgiving them. It's like, that's not reasonable. Not in our minds, it's not. That doesn't make sense. How would you like to just step up, get smacked in the face, and then step back and say, ow, why did you do that? And then step back up and get smacked in the face again, and then step back and say, ow, and then keep. It's, it seems unreasonable. Notice I'm saying seems. 
Then there's another one. Uh, sometimes these commands seem inconvenient. Ooh, that was a dagger to the heart right there, wasn't it, y'all? That's, that one hit me in a lot of ways. But you know what? Here's the most obvious, inconvenient command in God's word for believers. I'm talking about people who are saved, believers. In the book of Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the assembling of the believers. But you know what? There's a race to go to. There's a ball game on. The fish are biting, y'all. Oh, I can just watch it on live stream later and still have my cake and eat it too kind of thing. You know, we love live stream because it's useful for a lot of things. But it is not taking the place of the fellowship of the believers, y'all. It's not what it's for. And when the Bible commands us to continue to meet together and be the church together, sometimes it's just inconvenient. And here's one of the points where I'm looking at y'all who are sitting here today preaching to the choir. Y'all already noticed you're here. God is testing us every day. How many times have we woke up saying, mm, uh, maybe not Bible study today. Maybe I won't do my devotion this morning. I'll, I'll catch up with, with that tomorrow. I'll go love that person tomorrow. Because it's not convenient. Was it convenient for Jesus to go to the cross? Was it convenient for Jesus to be beaten and spit on and cussed at the way he was? Was it convenient for him to look in the face of his accusers and say nothing? So that you and I can be forgiven and be reconciled to our Father. Love y'all. That's just what the Bible's telling us and we need to hear it. Because we need to be careful that we are not falling into these traps. That we are being able to pass these tests. And when I say pass them, I mean our faith is being increased on a regular basis. We're growing out of these problems. We're growing out of these weaknesses in our faith so that when Jesus comes along, when the word of God comes along, when the, when the, the kingdom of God is doing our thing in the world, we don't have to say, forgive my unbelief so often. And that we can see the power of God working in our ministry, in our life, in our witness. Every time God gives a command in the Bible, it is there to be a test. It's not the same as going to school and taking a test, pass or fail, you get your degree. No, the test is that God would make you stronger. That's what Job was all about, y'all. You notice at the end of the book of Job, if you read the whole thing and study the whole thing and listen to what he was saying, he said, look, yeah, you were faithful to me, Job, but look, stand up because I'm about to tell you some truth that you need to hear because you, you got some room to grow. You didn't do everything just right. You didn't fail, but you can do better. I want you to be better. So listen to this truth that you need to hear. And we praise God for that. Every time God calls us to the table and says, hey, you need to look at this, we should praise his name. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving me with that weakness in my life. Thank you for not for giving me such a passion for you that I can't wait to worship and serve with other believers. That I can't, that I can't, uh, I can forgive people when you tell me to forgive people. That somehow I find your way with your help to love people who I have a hard time loving. He said. God, Jesus said, go in the world and make disciples. He already knows you can't do it. That's why he sent, gave you the Holy Spirit. He's like, hey, we're going with you. We just need your body. <laughs> we we want to use your body to go out and to tell the world, show the world who God is. And you get to be uh, reaping the benefits. You ever think about that? God does all the work and you get the benefits? That don't seem fair especially when you look at the cross. It's a test of faith, y'all. It's a test of whether we trust and obey God. Do you believe that God would uh, lead you into harm just for the sake of leading you into harm? No. 
Do you trust God that he knows best for your life, that he knows best for, uh, for your spiritual life, for your family, for your marriage, for yourself, your children, your grandchildren? He knows best. So why do we constantly... I was looking at these examples, and I'm about to close. I was looking at these examples of these people in, in the Bible that were seemed to be people of um, great faith, like amazing faith. I'm like, I want to have faith like that. I mean, there's this dude that built a boat in the desert where it's never rained. All because God said, hey, uh, I want you to build this boat, and I want it to be this big and that big uh, because it's about to rain. And get some animals and put them on there. The man did what God said to do. In the face of the whole world who laughed at him. Do, you, do we take God like that? Do we take his words like that? With that kind of faith? That's the kind of faith that we're reading about in Matthew. When Jesus says, it shall be done according to your faith. Noah and his family were saved because of their faith, y'all. They trusted God. Abraham, oh, how many times did Abraham just believe God? He's going about his business, and God shows up and says, hey, pack up all your stuff and go that way, and I'll tell you where to go when, along the way. I don't know about y'all, but I'd be like, uh, let's talk about this first. What do you mean pack up all my stuff? Where are we going to go? How are we going to get there? Do we have enough resources? Do I got to take everybody with me? Do I take a little? What do I got to do? And God's just like, just get your stuff. And it's not because he doesn't want you to know. He wants you to trust him, y'all. It's a test. It's a test. Do you trust him? Read through Hebrews chapter 11. You can see all of them people. They believed God when he said something. I mean, you want to talk about uh, Mary. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine. Y'all ladies might can imagine a little bit. Right? Spirit of God shows up and says, hey, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be uh, God's son. What? And she said, so be it. If that's God's will, so be it, y'all. Can we do that? Can we pass the test like that? Are we ready for that? Look, God gives us seemingly impossible, seemingly unreasonable, and seemingly inconvenient commands. Because he wants us to grow in our faith. He wants us to grow strong. He wants us to be who Jesus died for us to be. And here's why he gives us those things that are seemingly impossible or seemingly unreasonable or seeming, uh, seemingly inconvenient because we have to trust him for them things to go on. If he gave us, uh, how, about, how about this? What if God says, what if almost every page in the Bible said, eat barbecue every day? Guess what happened? I'm just like, yeah, I'm there. I'm first in line. It's not, that's not love. That's not commitment. That's not genuine, isn't it? That, all that means is I love barbecue more than I love God, doesn't it? That's not true. That's, if that were the way it was, that's what it would mean, right? That's what I'm saying. It's like a test. God's, look, there is no reason whatsoever to question God's love for us. Not, not one minute of it. Of it. I mean, it's totally obvious that he loves us. That's what only thing up in the air is, do we love him? Do we trust him? And we got to keep being tested. Not so that God knows, so that I know. So that you know. Why would, why would God send Jesus to the cross just to let me go on through life thinking I've committed myself to him and accepted his love when I really haven't? Or when I got a little more work to do? as far as growing in Christ, as far as being cleaned up. Okay, silversmith, you, you, a silversmith, a blacksmith, any kind of metalsmith, silversmith, when they're working with silver, all they're doing is building up this hot fire and they're refining that metal, trying to get the impurities out of it. You want to know how they know when all the impurities are out of it? What do you say? No, they, when they look at it and they see their reflection. That's how they know all the impurities are out of it, y'all. And God's looking at you trying to see his reflection. And he's going to keep turning up the heat because he knows that's what gets the impurities out. You can't be with him if you don't look like Jesus. Hello? 
It's not, a, it's not a work salvation thing. Don't get me wrong. You're saved by the blood of Christ. And you're cleaned up by the grace of God. The impurities, the fires, the refining fires is God's love sometimes. All right, last thing. And I'm, I'm going to make this one quick. I'll be nice. I had a, t- I had, I had a thought last night. I was going to say last thing, and then I was just going to keep on going to see how long you'd wait. Because the last thing is sometimes God uh, tests us by delays that happen in life. Sometimes we've got to wait for things. And sometimes waiting is hard. Am I right? Everybody say yes, amen, hallelujah. I'm going to give you a real simple, lighthearted example of why we all have trouble with waiting. And I know this from firsthand experience on both ends of this deal. All right, this is my illustration for how hard it is for us to wait. Nobody, with the exception of maybe a few, likes to be on any highway or any road behind a big truck. Am I right? Nobody likes to be behind them for two reasons. Most of the time, they're driving too slow for wherever you're trying to go, and you need to go a little faster than them. But here's the number one reason is because we can't see around them, and you can't see where you're going. And you got to see stuff. So we get impatient. So impatient, sometimes we get on the wrong side of that truck and try to pass. And I'm telling you, as a truck driver, that is the worst thing you could possibly do. You're putting your life and everybody else's in danger because you're too impatient to do things the way you ought to. Why am I saying all of that? Because sometimes the Spirit of God is leading us in such a way, at such a pace, that we would be right on time with God's will if we would just wait. Learn how to pass the test and wait. We don't have to see ahead of us all the time. We don't get to demand from God all the details. You see, it's still about trusting Him, isn't it? Y'all know them truck drivers, most of them are professionals. They get paid to drive. Now, there's some bad truck drivers out there, I'm just saying. My dad, he was crazy. We took road trips all the time, and we'd be late at night, he'd catch up with a truck and just ride right on his bumper because he was trying to save gas. He's trying to catch that draft off the back of that big truck. And he would do it, too. We'd be floating right along, and I'm like, Dad, that guy's going to stop at some point. The Bible teaches us to keep in step with the Spirit of God. Don't run ahead. Don't lag behind. Stay right in step with the Spirit of God. Right in step with what His Word says to do. And that don't mean when we're waiting... Y'all, don't, don't misunderstand this. When we're waiting, it don't mean we're sitting around just saying, okay, waiting on the Lord. Here, I, I, let's go to the end of the chapter, and I'll be completely, this is it. This is how I'm closing this up. Because ch- waiting is challenging. Especially when we're waiting on God, because we have no right to demand anything from Him. So it's just like, okay, God's not ready yet. And we, we want every, everything in us wants to say, well, come on, God. I, mean, I, I cringe when I see children talk to their parents because the, par- the parents are trying to drive them somewhere. And they're like, come on, Mom, get in the car. Gotta go. I'm like, y'all need to start respecting your parents a bit. They'll go when they're ready to go, and you'll go when they're ready to go. That's just the way I was brought up. That's not the way it works with God, y'all. That last two verses, 37 in chapter 9 of, of Matthew, it says, Then he said to his disciples, this is after all of this healing and all of this uh, teaching about faith, after this big statement, right? He says this to them at the very end of this chapter. He says in verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into into his harvest. This is where I learned, and, I, and God's constantly reminding me, this is, how you, this is how I learned not to worry so much. Wait on God. Trust God. 
I'm, I'm starting to pass a few tests every now and then. I'm starting to grow. But it's because I've learned that while God is doing whatever God is doing, I'm supposed to be about the Lord's business, y'all. I'm waiting for God to answer these prayers. I'm waiting for God to fill the church up. I'm waiting for God to deal with so-and-so sickness. I'm waiting for God to show me what to do. I'm waiting for God to help my faith, help my unbelief. I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting for God. And God's saying, while you're waiting, go tell people about me, would you? What if Jesus comes back while you're waiting? Then what are you going to say? <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't know you are coming. Let, let me get... No. Be about the Lord's business because that's evidence that you trust that everything in his hands is dealt with. You want to pass the test? You want, to, you want the test to be valuable in your life? You want to look forward to the, God, the testing that God does in your life? Then trust him and just be about, just do it every day. Oh, what can I do for you today? How can I serve you today? Oh, you, I forgot you were working on that, Lord. Thank you for that. I know it's not like that always. I know it's not always like that. But he is always testing us, and it's always for our good. And it's really ultimately for his glory, isn't it? Because the better you are, the more faithful you are, the more faith-filled you are, the, more strong, the stronger your faith is, the more glory he gets in the eyes of the world. Hello? You, you, you always see how it, it always comes back to, it's all about God, but he always makes it about you, so, it's about, so it can be about him. You know? And we try and we try. And sometimes I think we're failing some of the tests because we're trying to do things that God's doing. You know? And we don't even realize we're being tested. You know how many times in high school, the, like two minutes left in the test, and I'm just starting to fill in circles? Because <laughs> I, I didn't study, I don't know nothing, I wasn't paying attention in class, I'm just filling in circles and hoping I'm guessing half of them right to get a D. That's, I'm not kidding, that's how my school, <laughs> school age went. It was stressful to be tested for me. But it's different with God. We should enjoy the testing. We should glean from the testing. We should have joy in the testing. I'm not saying enjoy like the hardships. I'm saying take joy in the fact that God is working out here. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you're not saved, then uh, that's your first test. That's your first test. God is saying, I love you. Enough for Jesus to die on the cross for you. Do you love me? That's the gospel. Let's stand together and we're going to sing. If, you want, uh, if you're not saved, if you, if, you, if you need to be saved, then you should repent of being a sinner. You should be, repent of being an enemy of God. And then you should just confess Christ and be committed to him. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Begin your journey of being refined.